Hello, and welcome to Tangent Ever After, the podcast about storytelling. My name is Lucas. I am a former Smithmore. Joining me today is one of my best friends, Ben. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm a part-time artist and full-time nerd. The topics today will be storytelling. It's not just exclusive to one medium anymore. The theater versus home experience and film adaptions. We'll be starting off with storytelling medium. The storytelling medium. What is the storytelling medium? um, The storytelling medium, I'd say a lot of people focus on books when you think of stories because um who doesn't love a good book i love books what about you i i don't read so i'm i'm not a good example of this that is oh i don't really get much time to read these days so i listen to audiobooks using kobo not audible because too many people use audible oh so Uh, so, so you're a hipster i get it um, actually, it's more because uh, it's a long, depressing story concerning Walden books, and nobody wants to hear us be depressed. That's what this is for. It's a podcast. We just go for it, man. Okay. Um. Well, we always save that for another episode. So I just picked three thing, three ways to tell stories. Um, one is video games, um, podcasts, which is hey, podcast and a podcast, and vlogs. Um, so that's a. I don't. I don't agree with, with with your with your three topics, but I'll 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 lean back and let you rant a little bit before I interrupt you. So um, this is kind of toned down in the past few years, but like back in the day, and I'm talking like um 2003-2004, no one would believe that I'm playing a video game to see a story. Um, best example would be the first American-released Fire Emblem and the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic because those were amazing games. And it was my first exposure to an RPG. And my grades crashed and burned horribly that school year. Um, I I find it weird that you're you're judging your uh, approach to a story based on where you were in terms of schooling. That's interesting to me. Well, um, I mean, they were my grades, so my grades are very important to me, and then I'm like, ooh, I'm a Jedi, I have a yellow lightsaber, blah, 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 it's 3 a.m., I should be in bed, shoot. Welcome to life. Ta-da! Yeah, that's why I can't play for RPGs anymore, kids. Um, no, I, I, I disagree, I think that's why you should be playing RPGs more. I, I It would be nice, but um, I have to be up at 6.50 in the morning. Um, that's just because my workplace is like five minutes from my home. Okay, BS. No, you, you, you do what you need to do. You, you, you ex- like, if we're talking stories, you're going to explore the story that you want to explore, I, at least in my opinion, anyway. Oh, I agree. Um, I just choose to do it responsibly. There, there, I mean, yeah. There's, there's responsible, and then there's sacrificing your love for a story i mean i, I don't know it's my, my mm. thoughts anyway i mean even if, my god i can't believe i'm talking to my, about myself in high school um in high school the days and nights that i'd stay up late were normally thursdays and fridays to thursdays was to it was my anime night and fridays was my stay up to 3 a.m reading an Anne rice novel <sighs> night okay I, I don't i don't mean to, to date either the two of us in episode one here but like you're reminiscing about high school, dude. Like, come on. <laughs> no, I, really. Like, the fact that you even still remember your high school schedule at this point in our lives seems a little insane to me. Well, I mean, Thursday was always anime night up until um, up until I gave up the fireflies. I was yeah, like, but I you, said, you said like eight to nine p.m. Like, crap. I don't think about my schedule to that degree. Wow, we were totally different people then. <laughs> I guess. But uh, what was our first topic here? Uh, anime, podcasting, stories? I, I can't remember where oh, we were going. Oh, we're, already lost track. Um, we're on video games right now. Just to oh, games. Talk about... Oh, my God, games. Yes, <sighs> games. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how we got to end anime after you talked about games, but all right, sure, whatever. Um, They're both in Japan. They go hand in hand. Well, I I will say this like for, for any kind of um, 
media entertainment <clears throat> and um for me it's for for movies but games add an initial fourth caveat to this but i i would say there's three factors to any good storytelling um it's uh storyline cinematics and soundtrack and if soundtrack and if we're to, if, if we're talking games the fourth caveat is gameplay but that's a whole whole different shebang and we are probably getting there, but like to me, storyline, cinematics, and soundtrack is, is the concept of a visual storytelling experience. Oh, that's true too. But like, um, I'm gonna put out one of our favorite games as an example, um, The Legend of Zelda: Skyward Sword, because although I do love the game, it is pretty much a linear storyline that rarely lets you go off and do your own thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was uh, while while I'm a Zelda fan for sure. Um, I I don't know if Skyward Sword's really in my top five or <gasps> top three even. Uh, I'm sorry. I, it, it's a great game. I love it, but and while it certainly played into the um desires to hold a soul, sword and a shield, motion control at as as a kid. Like, like it really is. I was like, I played the game and I was like, this is what I've wanted all my life. But after having doing it once, I'm like, that's enough. I don't need to do it again. Um, uh, I kind of agree, but at the same time, it's just, I really love the story. Yeah, but again, like, so, so the thing and the sword and shield thing is the gameplay, and it's the fourth caveat. But this, again, what story, story, sound, uh, story, cinematics, and soundtracks. So you're again, you're focusing on the story. Right, that's true. And um, for the record, that game has an amazing soundtrack and looks beautiful. Well, part of the amazing soundtrack is not to tangent upon your tangent, but hey, that's the concept of our podcast. Is that it was the first game that Nintendo did actual, like, recorded, um... Orchestra? Orchestra, thank you. Uh, because prior to that, they were still using computer-generated MIDI stuff. Uh, Skyward Sword, it was the 20, what, 20, 25th anniversary, I think is what that was. Um, I believe so. so. So they took the time to really record that, and it, it shows in the game, like, it... There, there's a whole feel to to the musical experience of that again, and again, it's the the trifecta: storyline, cinematics, and soundtrack. Um, but yeah, I, the, that game gameplay suffers a bit because it is very much linear. Do this, do this, do this. There's not as much open exploration, even the way there was in Ocarina of Time. There, there just wasn't that go wherever, do what you want because there was it was very much a go here. Kind of. For our time, you kind of got like a little bit of time to pets around. Like, um, you got to go to Hyrule Square. Um, you got to, you got to, get to do things. You got to go fishing. You got to do stuff. Right. Uh, but like with Skyward Sword, there's less. There's less of doing that. There's there's less exploration in the, within the linear storyline. And then there's um. And I still love this game on Breath of the Wild, where it's like primarily exploring, and you have to look hard for that storyline. You do, and that's uh, probably a topic for another day. I could probably alone talk about Skyward Sword for like two hours myself. That's so a beautiful I, game. So I, so I won't. It's great. Um, and they got a lot of criticism on being very much the the fact that it that push story. In, in a lot of ways, way to to the back burners, but the way I said, like the story is only on the back burners if you let it be. You you right. have the you have the ability to either go story wise or or to go exploration wise, which at the core of the gameplay of the Zelda series, that's where it began. Uh, but again, like this is, <laughs> I'm I'm already getting further than I should. But um, we were talking about storytelling in. The, in gameplay. In, in gameplay. Um, um, and I, I don't want this, this to focus on Zelda because I know we're both fans. Uh, but there's a lot of storytelling within gameplay, both uh, retro-wise as well as probably even more so to modern games that I think is definitely worth talking about. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, this isn't exactly a modern game. And um, 
I'm not exactly a fan of the Mario games. Like I'll, I've passed on most of them. Um, but I do know that in, I think it's Super Mario Galaxy, you do get to, you get a story, but it's not in the same sense as Zelda. But like um, after each chapter, I think you get to hear Rosalina's story. And um, it's a pretty sort of. sad story. I yeah I uh, actually just really recently played through uh, Galaxy on my Twitch stream, and uh, I will say that's a great example of probably <laughs> I don't mean to contradict you on this one, but it, it it's the probably the the best example of a newer game that has the worst storytelling I've ever seen. <laughs> like I said, I haven't played the game. I'm just it's like a, I'm aware it, of the story. Like, my thought is, you think a game like like uh, the Metroid series, which is a a, a game slash series, well, series of games, that's told through the exploration, and and only if you want to explore it. But uh, like with Mario Galaxy, the story is there; it, you unlock it, but there's no incentive to actually experience the story. Hmm. Which is um, in, in my playthrough recently, that's what I found to be the most disappointing. Like, there's, there's, like, the story doesn't mean anything. Like in in the entire gameplay experience, like the the whole the two are completely disconnected. Um, like the story is like the story is the reward for playing the game, but like I don't, and, and to some degree that certainly is, can or rather can be, a good thing. But the way Galaxy presented it, it, it wasn't wasn't what I was expecting, and with my experience of modern games, I I don't feel it's up to par in that way. Right. But th- again, that's my opinion. Your 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 audience can disagree with me, right? And um, that's the thing. Like, um, Mario isn't really my game. Um, I don't really get a like I see the appeal, and I'm just like I'll pass on most of them because like oh I have to jump through all this stuff. <sighs> I mean, it's um, uh, we'll talk about this probably in a in a future episode, but uh, so, like, say, saying like Mario games are a thing, but like but Mario games cover like like six like five or six different genres. You, you just gotta find the one that works for you. All right, and um, so I'm going to bring up one of my favorite game series that you evidently despise, Fire Emblem. <laughs> I don't despise it. I just, I've never been able to get into it. Like, as as North American players, it, it wasn't really introduced to us until, like, post-Smash Brothers Melee. So we're talking 2000, early 2000s prior. Awesome. And it and it also is and it's also specifically, at least in in North American releases, has been on the mobile platforms, which I haven't I haven't played mobile platform games mostly, so um, so I don't I don't have a context for that. Well, my thing was like um, I was like super curious. Was like um, I went crazy and I bought it like Black Friday weekend, and I was just hooked on it. Um, we're talking the new one though. Oh, oh, okay. I guess we're talking about the new one. Um, well, no, you said I got a Black Friday weekend. I assumed you were talking about the new one. No, no, no. I'm talking about back in 2003. Jeez, <laughs> I, I couldn't. I wasn't buying. I was, I was 13. I, I was not buying my own games at that age. Well, here's the other thing. Here's a here's something to make you feel old. All the old Game Boy Advance games used to be like twenty dollars, so it wasn't like. <laughs> I wasn't gonna break my back to buy them. Well, I I had I had to have. I would have had to have convinced my parents to buy me the, a GBA, which like my 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 parents' uh, approach to that was, you already have a system, you don't need another one. So like we we never like had we never had would. mobile games for that reason. Yeah, um, to me it was just like it was just something to do in the car rides because, I get sick when I read in the car. It really stinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like super excited because like I get to see what the big deal is. I get to see what Martha and Roy are up to, which is kind of funny because they were not in that game. <laughs> I, I actually want to backtrack and say, so you get sick reading in the car, but you didn't get sick playing games in the car. Huh. Kind of funny. 
You no, know, that's the thing. Like, I, I was recently going somewhere with my dad. I was pulled my phone out, and I, I looked at it for two minutes, and I was like, I gotta put this away so I don't get sick because I, I will like looking at any screen or text or whatever. Like, I will get nauseous doing that. Um, so, well, so for the, listeners, for listeners, here's a fun thing: Ben did not have a smartphone until recently. <laughs> yes, no. Feel free to you know bring that up publicly. Thank you. Uh, I think it's pretty cool that you lasted that long. So I applaud you. I don't know about that, but uh, w- whether I was using my old phone or my new one, I still it, it it's a visual thing that that the the motion sickness is is just I can't can't deal with that. So but it's mean, more like um if my eyes are focusing on something, but it's also seeing the scenery passing by, it'll start to mess with my head too much. Uh, I I get that, but for me it's 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 more motion than it is the scenery. Like I I can focus my my head in on a, a visual thing, whether that be text or otherwise. But the, the fact that like I I am moving, I can feel my body moving, the bouncing of the car, like that that it it will literally make me sick. And it actually between looking at my phone for two minutes and the rest of the 10, like it took uh, of the next 10 minutes that took to ride home, quote unquote home, um, where, with where I was going, uh, it took me like six of those 10 minutes to actually reconstitute my mind to, to not want to like throw up. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very different for me in that, in that sense. Interesting. Um, so back to Fire Emblem. It's an interesting <laughs> game where everyone is pretty and beautiful, and it's kind of like a hyper chess meets dating sim. And um, as you progress in the story, crazy things happen. Um, you've had 20 years to do this, so it's not a spoiler, but Nin Yan becomes a dragon, blah, 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 blah. All this crazy stuff happens. But, but I, I would say, on top of all of that, like, like, where are we going with the story for this? Because, like, this is the, I guess, our concept for the evening, like, story. So, games and story. Oh. For me, more adventure games, you definitely more of this story-driven drama, the way Fire Emblem gives it. Like, like, what's our, what's our push for here push for here i'm um, just that it's just a different medium of enjoying a story like um like obviously sure. i could i can read uh i'm just gonna put this out of my head um daughters of bone i believe and i'll still have shocking twists and turns and i can play fire emblem and also have shocking twists and turns within the plot as you progress in the game okay. except in fire emblem i can also control my ships a lot better and i don't get disappointed <laughs> Uh, you you you're bringing up books at this point, and I I know I'm not an expert in this field, but I know it was on your stuff to talk about for going from from games to books to I don't, I, sorry I forgot what the third one was. What what were right. the topics tonight? Games, books, and something else. Um, it was movies, it was maybe. Game well, movies. Yeah, we'll throw in movies. Um, it was originally something else, but I really don't want to put up vlogs because it's not really a good story oh, medium. Vlogs. Well, yeah, it's it, no, it's not. It, vlogs have not been a story medium since probably about like 2020, no, 2005, I guess, maybe. Like Lizzie Bennet Diaries era stuff, like not, probably not worth going into. Right. Um... I, I, I think our lead in probably, sh- probably should be movies, but I, but I do want to touch on books. Because you, you you love books, I have a mixed feeling on books, but uh, I there are some books that I remember vividly from my childhood that I will talk about. Mm-hmm. But I want to hear your topics on this because again, it's your show. I don't mean to overtake your show or anything. But, you know. Right, right. Um, so I'll just books in general. Um, obviously. We think of books when it comes to storytelling because that is the second oldest medium. The oldest form of storytelling is obviously word of mouth. That's where we, that's how Beowulf was written. Um, nobody knows who came up with Beowulf, but it was a dream just a story told verbally, and so were the Canterbury Tales. But um, you have credit to Charles Chaucer, 
Um, oh, I Chaucer, good old Chaucer. Yeah. Um, oh God, I feel old now. Um, <laughs> but yes, um, books are the second oldest storytelling medium. Um, I love books, like Ben mentioned, and I just. I'm actually reading the second book in the Howl's Moving Castle series, Castle in the Air, not to be confused with Castle in the Sky. They're two different things. <laughs> to me, it was primarily escapism as a teenager, and then it was just a habit that I kept on into adulthood, and I just loved reading, and I have like four different bookshelves filled up with books. Um, ben can either be horrified or delighted when he sees them. My, my thought to it is... Um... If you've already re- read it and you understand the story and you don't feel like rereading it, why you why is it taking up space? But that's a probably a topic for the two of us out, outside of a podcast. It's um, gonna there will be screaming and hair pulling. <laughs> I'm sure, uh, but I I can understand the attachment to uh, w- wanting to 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 pursue a story. Right, and um, I'd say, and you just said attachment, which reminds me of like um, one of my least favorite books um, that I read on my own before I discovered it was required reading. Anyways, was Lord of the Flies, and um, spoiler alerts for great all you. Great book, great story. I, I love, I love that book. Uh, it's a good story. Um, I I probably read it a little too young because um, spoiler alert, Piggy dies. That death scene freaked me out so much <laughs> I never wanted to read it again. The, the death scene's worse in the in in the original what fifties era sixties era movie. Yes, it is. Th- it th- is. Than it is in the like the like the book the book's pretty mild compared to what they did in, in the movie. Like no question. Oh yeah. Um, oof. But yes, um, I'm not attached to all books. Um, other books I did not like. I did not like Animal Farm, even though I had to read it three different times for different classes. Uh, now I'm going on my own tangent of books. That no, I I, I, I read the like the Animal Farm was in the required reading list, and I always read the synopsis, and I'm like, no, that's nothing I want to touch. Like um, I get that it's an allegory for Soviet Union and communism, but I just—it's not a great written mid, story. Middle school students are not ready for Soviet era communism. Like, should not be on the required reading reading list for for most North American high school students. Um, I say it should still be because um, I mean it's it's important if you're ready for that. It's not important if you're not like if you're not ready to to deal with that level of stuff. That should not be in the required required reading list. And I was ready for it, and um, I, I I would say that a lot of that has to do with parental guidance. Uh and and if your parents are willing to to like be interested in what you're doing for your your classwork, like. If if your mom says you're not ready for Animal Farm, you should not read Animal Farm or Mom or Dad or whatever. But again, like, not yeah, not not everybody is ready for that book, and and it probably shouldn't just be tossed in there with like Treasure Island. Like it's not it's not a it's not a one of these like five to ten books kind of books. I have actually not read Treasure Island just because um oh my god. <laughs> Just because I liked Muppet Charizard, and I was like, okay, this is good enough. <laughs> no, it's not. God. I know I'm between the two of us. No no one listening gets this, but I will say that if if, if you think Muppet Treasure Island is as good as the Treasure Island book, you have no idea how good the Treasure Island book is. Like, Muppet, Muppet Treasure Island is a travesty. Also, no, I take it. I take it back. Every adaptation of Treasure Island, with the exception of maybe Treasure Planet, because I haven't seen that yet, so I, I really, can't really say. But, uh, uh, but, 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 no, like Treasure Island, it, it is a is a great like book for the middle school. Uh, I don't want to say high school because it's probably at that point too mild for that point. But Treasure Island is a book. That is worth reading. That if you think the Muppet version is the good enough version, read the damn book. I will put it on my to read this then. Um, I will say that the one book I was, I was shocked I was not ready for um, was um, Of Mice and Men. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, oh that, yeah. 
Yeah. Especially since like at Ruin did this little joke in all the Looney Tunes shows where it's like, George is gonna get me this puppy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I was like, oh that's cute. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh The Looney Tunes oh, are dark, man. Oh yeah, those are not meant for kids at all. The Looney Tunes in, in the grand the Looney Tunes I don't think were ever meant for kids, but um, it's a great exposure to classical music, though, and Baroque era music. There I yeah, am, trying all my undergraduate knowledge. No, well, I mean, you had to watch like you know, to watch any basic YouTube video on the analysis of Looney Tunes. You know, that's where Chuck Jones led his audience. But no, aside of all of those things, again, Treasure Island and, and a lot of these weird. Sim- simple literature, sim- simple classical literature leans into. Okay, screw it. I'm I'm asking this. Please tell me you've read Gulliver's Travels and and um shoot, what's the other one? Robinson Crusoe. Um, Gulliver's Travels. Yes, I love them. Um, I've never heard of that latter one for some reason. Might be saying it too fast though. Uh, Robinson Crusoe. Nope, haven't read it. Shame oh my god, dude! <laughs> I hate to be the one to... And I know I don't read Jack crap, but... I mean, I loved Robinson Crusoe, but... uh, No, other way. I, I love Gulliver's Travels. Robinson Crusoe is, is a really interesting book that influenced so much of pop culture leaning into, like, the... I guess 60s, Gillian's Island era stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it's in, I mean, it's in the freaking intro of the of song of the of the of the show. But yeah, Robinson Crusoe is really like we're talking classical high school level reading. It's like it's yeah. It's like, you 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 got to read Caruso. You got to read um, Gulliver's Travels. You got to read Animal Farm. Well, okay, I didn't read Animal Farm, but whatever. Uh, Animal Farm um, is more eighth grade, seventh grade. Uh, the early one was The Giver, which was sixth grade, which is to me is weird to me that they would give that to sixth grade students because that's mentally deeper than it should be for sixth grade. You students. would be shocked at all the sixth grade reading stuff. Um, I've read some of that stuff, and it's oh. like this is darker than I remember. Yeah, uh, but they did see a movie adaptation for Gulliver's Travels, by the way. The what? Huh? No. The film adaptation of Gulliver's Travels. Uh, the not the one with Jack Black. No, no, no. There was an old one, I think, in the early 90s that I saw. There That's was, what I'm talking about. Yeah, that, that was really good. It is really good. Speaking of adaptions, the theater versus home experience. Right. See that transition? Ah, That's good transition. There you go. You're, you're, you're getting it. Ta-da! Okay, <laughs> ah. okay so... um. In the past year, thanks to some little pandemic that has literally put things on a standstill and ruined part of my life for good reasons, though, um, there have been there has been an interesting transition from the theater to home experience. And Ben and I are going to talk about why we enjoy one thing, one experience, and not the other. Uh I don't. I actually don't want to start on this because I, um, I, I. I don't want to say I prefer one over the other, but I have had better experiences and better memories from one over the other. Oh, okay. Um, well, just to... I'm going to put on my personal Karen wig. I'm going to be Karen for a little bit. Um, I miss the movies. <laughs> I miss the theater experience. Um, I am waiting for a day off where I can go see Raya and the Last Dragon because I don't want to pay $30 on Disney Plus and I I prefer to do things legally, ladies and gentlemen. Good thing to say because I've had a I've had a bootleg of it sitting in, in my bookmark for the past two weeks. I you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, um I think there is a very distinct theater experience. And if you're used to that to some degree, I, I, I'm not. I, I by no means want to poo-poo on that and say it's like, well, no, no, I'm not going to poo-poo on the other. No, but why we enjoy one experience over the other? My, I, I have a limited theater experience. Like, I, I, like, I rem, like, 
in the past 10 years of my life, I've been to the theater like four times, three of which, yeah, three, three of which were as a volunteer through church youth group stuff. So I, so like so much of my experience is based on going either with other people or with a group. Like, like I don't have a singular theater experience like, i I don't walk into a movie theater alone like I, I feel like if i'm going to a to a movie theater i have to go with at least one other person oh well of course like i i go with my best but, friend but the vast majority of movies that i've seen have been me watching them alone at home um but but i will also say that the vast majority of movie experiences i have weren't in theaters did it with with were other people weren't in theaters mm. and the one that stands out to me <laughs> what, what i think like about the movie experience and i may have told you this story before but uh we're you know podcasting so i'll tell it again um uh whenever the movie castaway came out uh, Tom Tom Hanks stuck on a, basically the the solo Robbins and Crusoe experience. Yeah, we 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 all know the memes at this point. Um, it was released on uh, DVD and video uh, uh, at VHS. that point in time. Yeah, yeah, said, yeah. <laughs> you said VHS. Jeez, I I'm realizing that I said video thinking VHS, not realizing that was uh, a thing. Still thinking about it in my in my subconscious millennial mindset, um, but no uh, DVD VHS and VHS at that point in time was still the dominant um, home home rental experience. Uh, so mm-hmm. so we picked it up um, at the rental store that was attached to our grocery store, brought it home and realized, oh crap, this is a DVD. <laughs> what what do we do? What do we do with a DVD? Uh, at that point in time, we had our home theater VCR set up, and then we had our uh, gateway computer, which uh, actually to this day, I'm now still running those speakers that came with that computer almost 20 years ago now. No, shoot. Close to 30, actually, probably. 20, 23 years ago now that I'm thinking about it. Jeez, I'm, a, I'm an old fart. Um, Don't say that. I'm older than you. <laughs> By like a month, get over yourself. Um, <laughs> so, so my mom's like, "Wait, we have a DVD in the player in the computer." No, actually, no. It's it was shoot. It might have been the Dell. No, it wasn't the Gateway. It was the Dell. Dude, you're getting into Dell. <sighs> dude, you, dude, you're going to hell. Ding. Okay. <laughs> this no. must be a family podcast. <laughs> I, Just kidding. No, I I swore a couple of times sorry tonight that I'm sure I'm going to be bleeping out later in the edit. Um, no, but uh, our first computer was a gateway. We we had gotten that that 2002-2004 Dell Inspiration uh, desktop that everybody had at that time. Um, I didn't. And it had well, whatever. At least at least in my area, every like. Offices, schools, family, everybody had that computer. I actually recently inherited the same D computer from from a friend of mine. Like, oh my god, it's that computer from that era. Um anyway. So we were watching cat like it was like, hey, we got this computer and we we can watch this. So all of us we split we spread out a blanket on our living room floor, on the hardwood floor. Okay, faux hardwood floor. Not really a hardwood floor, because we weren't that rich. Uh, cranked up the, the audio and watched on this old uh, glass tube monitor. It was actually the monitor from the Dell. No, the monitor from the Gateway that we plugged into the Dell. <laughs> and we watched Castaway on this tiny 12-inch screen sitting on the floor eating popcorn as a family. And like to me, like that is... To this day, almost twenty now, more now, more than twenty years later, um, the best movie experience I've had in my entire life. 
That's kind of ironic considering like early TVs are like this very small screen attached to a huge and device. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't about the size of the screen. It was about the experience of being there as a family watching this movie. No, I get what you mean. I was just like I just that just popped in my head. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, there's um actually there was, I I was talking to a a friend of mine the other week um about uh uh, how how good a meal is how how good a, how, like a dinner or a meal is uh, compared to to whatever and it, and I think it was actually Chris Rock that I heard this from in some interview or something but it was um uh a meal is not determined by how good the food is it's it's, it's determined by the experience of of of, of having it so a uh, uh, gourmet meal with at a the best restaurant in the world with someone who is dull af means nothing but sharing uh street vendor food on a street corner sitting on a curb with somebody really interesting is an incredible meal and i think the same thing is said for experiencing a story in a movie in a book in a in a movie in a book or in a game or whatever experience like the experience of of that story means everything to whether or not you're experiencing that with somebody in a certain situation. Right, and I I get that. Like um like I've had I'm gonna use my Thursday night anime viewing as an example. Um in like I was mentioned earlier, I used to watch, every Thursday night I would watch a usually a Studio Ghibli movie every Thursday night during the school year. That tradition ended after I saw Grave of the Fireflies just because of how much it impacted me and kind of ruined my Thursday nights. <laughs> well, we also say, like, there's only like a dozen studio uh, jelly movies, mainstream ones anyway. So, like, you can go through them in a school year and it's a thing. But yeah, Gra- Grave of the Fireflies will ruin anybody every um, time. I still have Forever. the DVD. I- I've only seen it once. Um, once is enough, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really is. Once is enough. I tried watching it again, and um, it's why? Enough. <laughs> why? Why did you? Why did you try watching it again? Once is enough. Um. So here's a thing. Here's a side tangent. Um, I had always told myself if I ever became a history teacher, that as amnesty for students, I would show them Grave of the Fireflies on D-Day, just so that they could write an essay for amnesty or extra points. But how, how would you write the extra points? Like The quality of the essay, of course. Um, well, quality of the essay... Quality of the essay is not a history teacher. The quality of the essay is an English teacher. Well, like, just to... Like, if I see a page and see that the student would have cared enough for how the student was impacted by the film, seeing the different perspective of the Japanese side of World War II, and how they thought it, what their thoughts were on it, it would have been extra points if needed on a test or something. But I'm not a history teacher. Well, also, also again, that, that level of grading now tells me that it's a philosophy teacher. <laughs> Oh shoot! You're, 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 you're like you're 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 grading philosophy on history students. Like, come on, man. Oh wow! Maybe I did dodge a bullet with being an educator. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I, I I know we've kind of leaned through our topics for the evening, but um... let's get back to the main topic. Um, I just what want to was talk the, about... okay. What was the main topic? I've forgotten at this point. Well, when I said theater versus home experience, um, I just meant, like, I'll use Disney Plus as an example where I saw Soul on Christmas, and... Um, it was, out, it it was a, out that early? It was released on Christmas, actually. Oh, okay, wow. So, like, um, it was... It's a good movie, but, like, it was, like, pause because my dogs need to go outside to walkie-walk. Um, pause again to answer the phone and say Merry Christmas to a friend from out of town. Continue the movie and what should have been about ninety to two hour movie yeah. ended up being like almost three hours. I, I I say that's on your your side of things because I when I sit down to a movie I shut everything else out. Short sh- right, sh- sh- of going to the bathroom, but I mean I have different living situations, but still. Yeah, like you live alone. I live with family and two dogs. I like to walkie walk. 
if I'm even if I was living with dogs, I was like, you, you, you come here and sit with me. Great. But like, I'm not, I'm not getting up. I'm not getting up. Like this is the six movie experience. I'm not getting up. Right. And, um, unfortunately you, my dogs look at me like they're in a Sarah McLaughlin commercial for ASPCA. I will remember. Okay. <laughs> Nobody likes that song. We're talking about the other song. Uh, in the arms of an angel. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're not going to get sued for that. <laughs> we're not going to get sued, period, because we haven't legitimately covered the song, and it's not we're not playing it, so we're not getting sued. Right. Um, and it's up to you if you want to donate to ASPCA, um, viewer, listener. Um, I'm too broke to do it. <laughs> uh, where are we going with this? So... Um, Stories. In comparison, my Wonder Woman 1984 experience was fun because I enjoyed it in theaters, and I was like, "Oh, I get." My experience see- was equally as fun because I shut out everything and sat in, in my beanbag chair and enjoyed the hell out of it. Right, right. Um, like, like I have nothing against the home ex- theater experience, but to me, I think it's just because. I do not live alone, so there's I, I more also, distractions. I, I, will say I, like. I, I don't like the theater seats. I, I've experienced the, good, the great theater seats and the bad theater seats, and I almost prefer the bad theater seats because because I, like, the story of the movie should take me out of whatever situation I'm in. I shouldn't have to be in a recliner to experience the movie. That said, I was in a in a recliner for for uh, Avengers Endgame, and my foot cramped at a fairly not a fairly, but a, a semi crucial. I mean, the whole movie is kind of a crucial scene, but I I had like the the fact that the chair caused like like the relaxing chair caused me to have a foot cramp as an adult tells me that you shouldn't be that comfortable watching a f-ing movie. Sorry, mm-hmm. par- par- pardon my language. I would have, ble- um, I I've bleeped that out probably already in in post, but whatever. We had tension ever after. Try to have family standards. Yeah, well, you you try to have family standards. I can't help myself. So, right. So I I, I have been saying crap a lot a lot tonight, but you know, just crap is okay. They say crap and hey Arnold. Nobody got heard. Criminy. <laughs> okay there short man <laughs> uh, let's see let's see let's see let's see okay third and final topic for this episode and we're going to circle back a little bit to film adaptions of not just books but video games see that we did a full circle oh god video game adaptations <laughs> Prim- primarily garbage Right. Um, I like the Mario adaptation. <laughs> You're the like, like one of the only people on the face of the effing earth that liked that. I mean, it, I I know it's not a good movie, but I like it. <laughs> okay, well, I I would say write this down as a topic for 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 perhaps in a, a future episode. Movies that we like that are not good movies. <laughs> Oh, that is definitely a topic for there. <laughs> Don't worry. Because <laughs> there there are movies that I love that I know are bad movies. This is the the guilty pleasure movies. Um I haven't actually have not sat sat down to watch Mario Brothers movie again for a long time, but it's It's not something I'll actively watch, but if it's on TV, I'll sit down and enjoy the movie. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I was on TV, but also haven't had access to cable in probably 15 years, so I can't make that call. Uh, so, so if if I'm watching it, I have to I have to make the conscious effort to watch it. Right. Um, um, I saw it on DVD a few years ago, and I almost bought it for my nephew, my oldest nephew, oh as God. a Christmas gift. No, don't. <laughs> no. Um. Let's see. No, but um, like you've shown me the documentary behind the scenes movie. I'm just like, I believe every word of it. Yeah. And um, I can't source where this is said, but apparently one of the people at Nintendo 
does like the movie, even if like it's straight significantly from the source material, just because he said it's at the very least a creative movie. Like that that's the that's the weird thing about that movie is like in in it was said in the the gaming historian video I sent you. Um it 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 was pioneering something that had never been done before. Uh but unfortunately it, it set it set like the lowest standard <laughs> for oh, for no, video not. game movies. And like like even like the original Mortal Kombat movie, as bad as that was. <laughs> Which, by the way, like I, I saw where he's like, hey, there's a new Mortal Kombat movie, and I'm like, oh my god, no, stop it. I'll it, only watch if it's as campy as the 90s ones, but otherwise... I, I I, all, all I know is in the new trailer, they they use the, come over here, and I'm like, stop, no, stop it. Like, <laughs> you, you gotta, like, it, it's rated R, and it's like, you, you gotta know when to not use the stupid line. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, hey, um, I don't know. I just feel like how campy the 90s movies were. I'm just like, oh, oh, this is deliciously bad. <laughs> Again, probably yeah. topic for a future episode of deliciously campy. Um, deliciously campy. No, but uh, yeah, there's. Yeah, there is something to be said about the original Mario Brothers movie. But what's what I, what I think about now more recently is like they could do it again. And they could do it right, because CG has gotten to a point where where the original vision of the original 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 script, because there were like eight versions of the script, if not twelve or fifteen, uh, they could pull it off now. But nobody wants to to, to roll that those dice again. Well, I know that in Japan there was a Mario anime movie that was released, but. They just said it's just an anime of the video game. Yeah, it's really not that like, special. There, there's the the thing is like like Japan can do great anime adaptations, but they're terrible with live action. Like li- live action, unfortunately, is like almost exclusively to U.S. and Canada at this point. And it's like, I I'm sorry if that's as blunt as it needs to be, but like <laughs> people doing high end CG adaptation of stuff it's like it's literally just like hollywood toronto like that the the big chicago like the like the big film markets like those are the only people that can actually pull it off right now right and um i have here in my notes by various book adaptations that i don't like but there's just so many that irritate me and so many of them just like i understand what what's happening from a filmmaker's point of view and um you know, I'm gonna save those for another episode. <laughs> you do Mostly that, because... but but since you brought up books again, I I want to bring up a couple of books that I doubt you've read, but are actually some of my favorite stories. Like, uh, of, like of all time, they have been adapted to film or um, of time. one of them was recently that blew my mind because I didn't think anyone actually knew about the story. But I'll get to into that. So I, I was really into the Gary Paulson books when I was in middle school, which was the uh, the Hatchet, the River. Um, oh, those books. Yeah, the the same guy wrote a weird sci-fi book called the Transall Saga. Transall Saga, um... and it's it's very strange. I remember bits and pieces of it. The guy like there was like a beam of light that transported him to this world that then transported him back to his world while he was camping. And like there was this woman there that was like half reptilian. It's a very, very, really weird book. Um, but uh, it's it's I actually remember the cover of the book oddly enough, and and like it was one of the first one of my first introductions between that and watching some movies on cable with my dad. They introduced me to like sci-fi that I really like fell in love with the genre. Because it was like like it's like it's normal until it's weird, and I loved that about that book. Right. Um, and the other one was a house with a clock in its walls, which was I think about two years ago adapted into a Jack Black movie. Which I, I hate. I hate Jack Black to no end. Oh, so do I. And and I I saw that when I, when the trailer dropped for that, I was like, holy crap! I didn't think anyone actually knew about this story. 
Because I read I that didn't. story. I read that story in fifth grade, and I loved it. But at the same time, I have no idea how good the movie adaptation was because I remember next to nothing about the book. I remember I liked it. I remember it was something about a a clock and it was mystery and the kid and his uncle, and that's all I remembered. And they kind of did that in the trailer and and supposedly the movie as well. But it was like. This could be a great adaptation or a bad one, but I don't remember enough about it. And all it tells me that I w- is that I actually really want to read the book again. I would say this. Um, like I said, I really don't care for Jack Black either, but I am impressed with his acting from that movie, from what I've seen of it, and from Goosebumps. And it's like, oh, you're not acting like a total drunk person. Yeah, like I, I, the the movie that that makes me angry the most is, is School of Rock. Because like I I know Jack Black is a actually a good musician and I know he's a good actor, but I just what he's cast in over and over again drives me nuts. Right, it's like um, well that's um, like he, he, he's cast as a deadbeat over and over again. But it's like you're like the, the dude's actually a good actor. I just wish he would play a more dramatic role. Probably, I mean there is like. Hopefully one day he'll be in a Will Ferrell situation where, like, in Stranger Than Fiction, Will Ferrell is not doing his little shtick instead of he's in a semi-dramatic story. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I also very much hate Will Ferrell. I don't hate him, but I'm not very impressed by him. Uh, I, I've never seen him in a movie role that I care about. Ever. Um, Ever. Not even... <laughs> No. But what's stranger than fiction? <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, that might be the one. Well, that's obviously, like, it could be the one the way I feel like Owen Wilson is for um, Midnight in Paris. Which is right. a movie I love, which you know that. And now your audience knows that. Uh, but, like, Owen Wilson's a good dramatic actor, but he's plays in and is cast in comedic roles constantly. But he's actually a good dramatic actor when he's given the when he's when he's given the opportunity to and and he himself goes into um there there's actually a lot of great comedic actors that are good in dramatic roles but but they aren't right, they're, yeah. they're never they're never cast in that but uh, again we're 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 tangenting as as the title of the show lists us into but no uh Again, probably a topic for another day. Co- comedians in dramatic roles. Jot that one down. That is a good topic. <laughs> yes, um, I will jot it down. What was I going to say? Well, one movie adaptation, and by the third act, it strays significantly from the book, and I'm not going to go beyond that. But um, Howl's Moving Castle is one of my favorite movies. And the for, for me, animated, is, me too. Absolutely. So, um, so I was aware it was a book, but this is back in 2004, where we didn't have Amazon, and I actually had to physically hunt down the book. I don't think I don't think I saw the movie until like 2007 or eight. So you're way ahead of me on that side. So um, I had seen the movie first, and I loved it, and I was very excited to read the book. And I was actually very impressed, and probably because it's animated, that how well the first two-thirds of the book were adapted to film. And it's a very rare time where I love the book and the film equally. The only other times where that has happened has been um, Wizard of Oz, which is a beloved movie to me, don't say anything. Um, And I believe the third one is Gone with the Wind. But yeah, I think I'm just very picky because... Ooh, and Lion in the Lord's Wardrobe, the film adaption, not the miniseries that aired on BBC in, like, the 80s. We're in the U.S. Nobody saw the BBC version, let's be honest. I saw it. I have it on VHS. Of course you do. Um, but yeah, I think just because I'm going to use Harry Potter as an example where um, there's just so many things that happen in the book and, like, um, I can't enjoy the movie adaption because so much gets cut out. Alrighty, so um, while we're on the topic of video game adaptions, how about that Detective Pikachu and Sonic the Hedgehog? Uh, we really doing this tonight? Because I get the feeling this could go a lot further down the rabbit hole. 
You mean pick a hole? <laughs> Pokeball. Um, uh, yeah. Poke hole. That came out wrong. <laughs> it's really done. Delete that. Nope. Uh, nope. I'm leaving that in. Well, um, I will say because we're just writing on video game adaptions, and I will say that as a Pokemon fan, I am very used to walking into film versions of Pokemon and like being disappointed. Okay. The no, games were amazing. No, the, like. The the semi recent movie was the only film adaptation ever. No, no, no. There's been anime adaptations. No, no, no. Okay, no, no. Anime adaptations are not the same thing as film adaptations. Not, okay, not the same thing. How do I put it? Like there is Pokemon the first movie, which I was super hyped about at nine years old, and I didn't realize the sensation was disappointment, but I was disappointed in it. <laughs> Whereas by the time Detective Pikachu came along, I was like, I walked in with low expectations, but I figured I was going to walk out admiring the effort put into the movie. And I was actually fairly satisfied with the movie, and I owned it on Blu-ray for all the bonus features. You're, you're, I would say you are you are real, a reluctant fan of that movie. Not as reluctant as Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I disagree. I, 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 you know, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> I, I I really wanted to like that movie more than I did. Um, the only reason that movie was is quote unquote quote unquote quote unquote three times over as good as it was is because the studio realized the outrage of their original character model. I wish because I own the Blu-ray to that too. I'm just like, oh, there's nothing gone here for the original model. The, there is no. there there is like. Somewhere in the world, there is a a version of that movie with the original character model, and it is simultaneously it needs to be watched and absolutely never needs to see the light of day. Um, but I guess but thing, the, yeah, the, there are some there there are I would say probably th- three to four times in that whole movie where there was some weird actor to puppeteer slash holding a random thing. With with tennis balls attached to it, CG uh, issues uh, with that. But but short of a handful of those, it was it was believable in the weird sense that it was. Um, the voice acting was great. Ben Schwartz deserves oh yeah tons of of credit for that, especially knowing his origins in the uh, internet college humor circuit way back in the day. Um, and, and just like, it's for, for what they did with it, it was really good. It It's, I mean, you can, you can only do so much with, with trying to force, uh, uh, anthropomorphic fake alien character into human society. So, yeah, there, there's also a long story that I won't get into tonight with, with them literally ripping off Eddie LeBron's fan film from t- like, 10 years ago but that's that's a whole nother topic or a whole nother day um but right i just i i would say between the between sonic and pokemon as like the the new sort of base standards for good video game movies <laughs> quote-unquote good video game movies is i would say that the pokemon movie and again we can get into this in a future episode but I believed the universe and the animalistic sense of the Pokemon in that universe more than I believe Sonic in the human universe. Right. I I'm, I'm, I'm going to just call it there because I could rant about this for the next two hours. and I'm not going to. So here's something to be depressed about. The studio that made both movies is dead. You, <laughs> you say that, but there's there's already I think Sonic 2 is already in production. Oh yeah, like they probably picked a different studio, but I know that Pokemon, they're treating carefully, from what I understand, because Nintendo's very careful about their properties now. Well, they probably they, don't want to. They re- they always have been. I I mean, I was shocked that they let them even do the Pokemon movie in the first place. But there's also the 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 game side of things versus the anime side of things, which are two te- totally technically different sides of the studio. But whatever. Well, that's a tangent for another night. Um, that is it for today with Tangent Ever After. My name is Lucas. You can find me at LucasGo underscore art 46. Ben, where they can they find you? We said LucasGo underscore 46, but like in, on what platform? 
Oh, on Twitter and for Instagram. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm asking for. Uh, I I'm a visual artist. You can find me at cinderblockstudios.com as well as just plugging Cinderblock Studios into Google. You'll find me on a variety of platforms. Yes, and there will be future episodes. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, eventually iTunes and Google Play, or Google Podcast, whatever it's called these days. You can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash tangent ever after podcast. See you next time.